Hey, how's it going? Before this episode, inshallah, I just wanted to, uh, um, you know, make mention of uh, everyone knows what happened in Christchurch, New Zealand, and um, I just wanted to make dua for the brothers and sisters that lost their lives. May Allah forgive them uh, of their sins and have mercy towards them, as well as their family members, the ones that are alive and are still being tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah have mercy and forgiveness towards them and may Allah make things easier for them and guide them and keep them steadfast and firm as they go through this test in this dunya. Ameen. Additionally, may Allah guide us all. May Allah you know, make things easier for us and keep us steadfast and guide us towards the truth and the haqq and um, keep us firm as Muslims and strengthen our iman. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Halal Hustle, where we talk about halal business, halal entrepreneurship, and share stories about halal hustlers who are striving towards their place with Allah in the hereafter by taking the means in this dunya. Inshallah, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the warm market. And when I talk about the warm market, I'm talking about the context of being Muslim, this being the halal hustle, and conducting business within the framework of what we know, the Muslim community. Before all of that, let's, let, let's take a step back. Let's look at the history of the marketplace. So, at the beginning of time, the marketplace was known as the place where people would literally buy and sell goods. That was the market hey where are you going oh i gotta go buy some eggs i'm going to the market right that's where that's where it was at historically nowadays that's not really the case you don't tell anybody oh i want to really i want to buy some nice new clothes i'm gonna go to the market right you don't say that you say i'm gonna go to the mall even now that's kind of dated people don't really go to the mall that often at least in uh, north america uh, or Western societies. It's still really popular in other places of the world for sure, but they're kind of dying here. When someone wants to buy something, they will nowadays look online, and if it's available locally, they'll probably get it locally because they can get it instantly. That instant gratification of taking it from the store and taking it home with you that very day. If not, they'll buy it online, and uh, with Amazon, it might t be a couple of days or a couple of weeks, whatever it is, but They'll buy it online, it'll get shipped to their house, and that's the end of the story. So the marketplace has really shifted away from the traditional, the market, to wherever you can buy and sell goods. So the internet has become a market, a marketplace. There's pop-up markets. Uh, for example, there's the, uh, what is, the farmer's market, right? Where they will literally, like, it will not be that. Uh, it will not be a marketplace, but on specific days, they'll set up tables, sellers will bring their goods or farmers will bring their goods, and then consumers will come and purchase those goods. So the marketplace is more so a concept of the environment in which goods and services are purchased and uh, sold. So that's that. Now let's look at marketing. Well, I'll ask a really simple question. Have you ever bought something that you never knew existed? For example, did you buy the iPhone when you had no idea what the iPhone is? No, it's impossible, right? No one's buying anything that they don't actually know what it is. They have to be informed of it. They have to know that it exists. And that's where marketing comes in. That 
part of the concept of the market is that when people go there, they get to see what there actually is to buy. If you don't know what there is to buy, you won't buy anything. So marketing becomes essential. Almost every large, medium to large business has a marketing team. They'll have a group of people that just specialize on their marketing strategy. Some businesses do it really well. Other businesses don't really do it that well. And it's become such an inherent thing in our society and the, the culture of business that if your, marketing, if your marketing strategy is poor, it will really eat into your business's ability to succeed and grow. So marketing is such an important and large topic that I can't really touch on everything, but I will touch on one key concept, and that's cold versus warm marketing. So with what with whatever strategy you use, there's an approach that would be considered a cold marketing approach and a warm marketing approach. Have you ever played the game Marco Polo? Or have you ever searched for something while someone else had hit it and they'll They'll inform you whether you're getting colder or warmer, warmer being closer to the target, colder being further away from the target. It's the same type of thing here. So when we're talking about marketing strategies, cold marketing is when you are really far away from your target audience or target customer. You don't really know who they are. You're not really close. You're just kind of feeling around in a really large open space. Warm marketing is when you know more about your customer, your target uh, consumer. You know you're pretty close. You know it's like within arm's reach, but you just can't pinpoint the exact detail of everything that they're looking for in their product or their service. So that's warm marketing. Nowadays, though, that that's more in a traditional sense. A traditional set, um, example of cold marketing would be a company putting out an ad in a newspaper. And then the closest that they could get to their specific consumer that they're targeting is by placing it in a, in a particular section of the newspaper. If it's an advertisement relating to sports, they will put it into the sports section of the newspaper. If it's an advertisement relating to entertainment, it will be put in the entertainment, you know, section or arts and culture section, that type of thing. That's the closest it, it got. They knew that a large audience you know, reads the newspaper. So they're going to put an ad in the newspaper, but they can't really target it. It's going to, this thing may only be for 25 to 35 year olds, but you have a whole bunch of people across the age demographic reading the newspaper. Now that's not entirely true. Young people or younger people may not have read the newspaper as often. And even today, not really apparent, but that again, it's a traditional example. A more modern day example of cold marketing would be your social media uh, advertising or Google ad, Google ad or search engine advertising. The way this works, though, is it's not really cold marketing because you're not starting from completely zero in knowing your audience. You do know a bit about them due to these technology companies basically selling out their, you know, their users. They're taking the information that they post on their pro on their profiles and what they talk about on their social media accounts and what they search for through the search engines and the like, and they're funneling advertisements to those users that are relevant to the content that they search for and the content that they're interested in or that they talk about. 
So in that respect, these types of advertising platforms, they're not really completely cold, but they're not really warm either. You could call it or I'll call it lukewarm. You know, it feels kind of gross. It's not really what you want. It's not warm. It's not cold. We'll call it lukewarm. But that's something that's apparent nowadays. Warm marketing would be, again, when you know your audience. So if you if you have, um, I like sports, I'm running a basketball tournament. I know there's a group of basketball players that would probably want to participate in the tournament. So I'm going to go to the team and I'm going to market towards them. I know them. They know me. And so the likelihood that they will actually become a customer and, you know, pay to register and participate in the tournament is a lot higher than if I just ask someone who's actually a soccer player, right? If I just put out an advertisement that captured a whole bunch of soccer players and uh, badminton players and volleyball players and tennis players, the likelihood that they're actually going to, you know, convert into a customer and participate in my basketball tournament is not very high. So with every metric in business, sorry, with every uh, aspect in business, there's always an attempt and a per, a pursuit to measure it, to determine a metric of success. With regards to marketing, that would be conversions, rate of conversion, where someone will market, they'll pay X amount of dollars for their advertising, and they want to see how many customers, how much money do they get back from that. It's a great way to understand that how much money you put in into advertising to get your product or service in front of people will help determine how much money you get back. If I put in $200 to advertise my product, I'm going to get maybe $300 worth of purchases but because people want to buy my product. So cold marketing, very low percentage of conversion because you are targeting a lot of people that may not be interested at all into in your product or service. Lukewarm marketing, pretty good. But the best one is always warm marketing where you know the consumer and the consumer already knows you and has a relationship with you. That's what I'm focusing on here. There has been a consistent trend towards the global market. That the world is becoming more globalized. There's a term that I learned in school called globalization. I still don't really know what it means, but I feel like it encompasses all of this. That the world's becoming more and more interconnected. In that respect, the marketplace is becoming more global. You can buy something from a country that you've never been to. Or from a store in a country that you've never been to and it'll be shipped to you. You're no longer limited to your locality or your region in order to purchase something. You can purchase something from anywhere in the world and it'll be sent to you. You know, inshallah, if everything goes well. That becomes really appealing to a lot of consumers because they may live in an area where the product selection is very poor. So businesses that appeal to the global market have started to emerge and they've really taken, uh, you know, a huge percentage of sales away from local businesses. An example is that big box stores have started to um, destroy local small mom and pop shops because the selection is a lot greater, there's more consistency, and someone who comes from a different part of the country will 
be able to move to a new part of the country and still have the same selection of products without having to do much work. Oh, there's a Walmart in Toronto. There's a Walmart in Calgary. There's a Walmart in Vancouver. There's a Walmart in Montreal, Winnipeg, LA, you know, uh, Atlanta, Minnesota, Columbus. You, you get my, you get the picture here, right? There's a Walmart everywhere. So every Walmart that you go to, it's fairly the same. It's pretty consistent. There may be some, you know, differences, um, within, uh, regions or with across the country, but for the most part, it's the same. But there has been a consistent push by a lot of people to support local, to not cave into the global marketplace and all of the big box players, but to support your local businesses because you know them, because they're a part of your community, because supporting them means that you are supporting money going back into your community not to an organization or a business that will take your money and might invest it somewhere else. So there is a genuine appeal. I'll be honest, if I'm going to spend my money, I would like to know that it's going to someone who will in turn spend it somewhere else in the community. So the money is staying within the community. It's not that I'm working and making money and then that money leaves the community and I never see it again. So there is a genuine appeal. With that being said, why do I talk about the Muslim business? Again, because this is the halal hustle. I am Muslim. And inshallah, most of the listeners, if not all, are Muslim. So here's my 30-second elevator pitch as to why, as a Muslim, you should really consider starting a business that caters and targets the Muslim community. The first part is that the Muslim community is mainly untargeted with everything that goes on in the news and the way that Islam has been perceived by so many, you know, unfortunately and, you know, kind of unjustly, the Muslim community has been largely untargeted. There have been little things that have been done here and there by big box players, but for the most part, large companies avoid the Muslim community. Large companies do not go out of their way to target or cater to the Muslim community. And the reason why is that it's not the best PR move. A lot of people don't really like that. Allahu Adam, there may be multiple reasons, but the Muslim community is mainly untargeted. The second point is that it's a huge market and it's continuously growing. No matter all of the things that people do, no matter how much slander on you know the news or anything like that there is against Islam, there are more and more Muslims every single year. Whether it be that they're born and Muslims generally have more kids than non-Muslims, or people are con you know, converting or reverting back to Islam. More and more Muslims continue to exist. So the market for Muslim products, Muslim services, continues to grow. And the third one is that even if the large companies wanted to get into it, it's really hard for them to be genuine about it, right? It's hard to shift and focus on the multitude of cultures and the you know huge change that comes with serving a muslim community that is big on islam that's not something that's very easy for large companies that are fairly inflexible to do immediately so that's my pitch there's a really really good market here and it's because of those things that it's untapped so there's not really a monopoly over it it's constantly growing and it exists everywhere and it's not targeted.
So uh, what, what do they say? One man's garbage is another man's treasure. A lot of people view the Muslim community as bleh. But there's a huge opportunity. Muslims make a lot of money. Muslims are educated. Muslims, you know, are uh, are motivated. They're very well spoken. They have a lot of talents and skills and abilities. MashaAllah, barakallah But there's no one really doing much for them. I'll give you an example of a couple of uh, of players that are dope. Alhamdulillah, uh, mashallah. But it's very few. I know in Canada, recently, within the past couple of years, uh, a company, I think it's called uh, Zbiha Halal, uh, they started selling chicken, um, halal chicken, uh, at big box stores like Walmart and um, the Real Canadian Superstore, for those of you that know it, and uh, and the like. But before that... There's always the local halal meat shop that you would go to in order to order your halal meat, right? To get your beef, goat, chicken, whatever it is. It's somewhat surprising because there's Muslims all across the country, whether it be in Canada, the United States, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, wherever it is, there's Muslims generally all across the country. Yet you got to know a guy who knows a guy or you got to look up the halal, the halal meat store. And oftentimes, you know, now Google, alhamdulillah. But prior to that, you had to talk to someone at the masjid who will inform you. Oh, yeah, there's this person here. There's another one here. There's another one there. It's a very personable. Everything is based off of who you know environment. That's the Muslim community in a nutshell is that you have to know people in order to get information about what's going on. If you don't know anybody, if you're not a part of the Muslim community, it's really hard to get information about the Muslim community. That's why a lot of uh, you know people look at it as like, it's an enigma. We don't know what is going on. But there's the opportunity. There is the you know leverage that you have being a Muslim and being a part of the Muslim community is that you got the inside knowledge. You got the inside scoop as to what is going on and how things work. But there is, uh, there are some challenges that come with it as well. There's three main ones that I've heard a lot. The first one being that, and my, my dad has said this himself, that, man, when you go and you, you know, you have money and you, you're looking for an electrician or a plumber, you have some problem, and you try and find the Muslim, you know, business, and you, you go talk to them, and you go to the guy and he says, okay, I'm going to come this time, this time, this time. And then he's late. And then when he comes, you know, he overcharges you. And then when he comes, he doesn't do the best job. And you feel like you've been cheated and slighted and you're just hurt that a Muslim would do you like that. And the next time when you need help, you go to the non-Muslim because you had such a bad experience with the Muslim and you don't ha find any of those problems. Now, this may be shaitan. This may be that it was just the wrong person. Like, it, you know, that person just wasn't doing the best job. But either way, there is a stigma that there are times where Muslims don't do as good of a job as non-Muslims or that they're very unprofessional when servicing Muslims. Like Muslims will treat other Muslims worse than they'll treat non-Muslims. This is something that's kind of common. Inshallah, the stigma changes. But that definitely is a challenge that may exist. The second one is that, as I was saying before, the Muslim community is pretty old school. It's not like, oh, we got to get our business on Google. It's more so that my business is going to be my business and it's going to be because people know me at the masjid, alhamdulillah. That's tough. That definitely is. The Muslim community in general 
is not really the most friendly towards uh, innovation. Now, I'm not talking about in the religion. Do not get me wrong or please don't misquote me on that. I'm talking about technological innovation uh, in, you know, like getting involved in the tech scene, being the ones that are pushing uh, how our society functions and improves upon things like transportation or communications and the like. We're not really there. It's not a slight. Not everybody is. It's just something that exists and that may present a challenge. And the last one that I've heard a lot of, which I really disagree with, is that the Muslim community is too small of a market. When I start my business, I don't want to limit myself to the Muslim community. I want to be able to target everyone. I want to have a large market, you know, as my target audience. Well, I'll say this first and foremost. Everyone thinks like that. And everyone wants to have everyone as their customer because we're living in a global market. Why limit yourself? It's not that you're limiting limiting yourself. It's that you are giving yourself a competitive advantage. Cold marketing is when you market to everyone. Warm marketing is when you market to a targeted audience that knows you and you know them. You have the inside scoop. Right? Which would be easier? In an example, getting your friends on board with an idea that you have or getting a complete stranger with an on board with an idea you have. Sometimes it might be easier to get the stranger on board, but by and large, if you have, you know, pretty solid friends, it's going to be a lot easier to get your friends on board with the idea that you have, inshallah. So don't think of it that it's too small of a market. Think of it that it's the best place for a Muslim to start off their business. It's not the end, it's the beginning. But let's, let's talk about this a bit more. Challenge number one was that the fitna that Muslims treat other Muslims bad. Here's a basic solution. Be the best. If you are looking at servicing the Muslim community specifically, there's a problem there. You are targeting the Muslim community specifically, but that does not mean that you're limiting yourself, as I said, you know, like just before. If you're the best, if you know that your competition, that a Muslim has the option, they're not limited to go to a Muslim. I'm sure their preference is to go to a Muslim. If there is a choice between equal products of equal quality, someone will choose the person that is more closely associated with them to buy their product from. And that's because they want to support that person more. If my brother and my, uh, if my brother is, is selling something and then there's a stranger just beside him that's selling something, I'm biased 100%. I'm going to buy the thing from my brother. If it's the exact same quality, I'm going to buy it. But the question now is whether it is the exact same quality. If it's not the exact same quality, then the Muslim has the case that, well, why should I buy this, sub this subpar product from you instead of buying the superior one from, you know, the non-Muslim? The reason for that, obviously, you know, is that you should support me. I'm your Muslim brother. You know, we're brothers in Islam. Support me. Don't give your money to the non-Muslim. And then what am I going to do? How do I feed my family? All of that. This is business. If your product isn't the best, then you don't have a very strong case for someone to purchase from you instead of someone else. Now, if you're working on it, if you know that you're working to improve and you could offer things that benefit the Muslim more than someone else, then there's no problem here. But ultimately, Muslims should be the best. Muslims are the best. And inshallah. And you just have to prove it. 
A Muslim business should be the best run business. There's no question about it. Why it's not? Allahu alam. But Islam sets us up perfectly. Second challenge. We're old school and lim- you know we limit in- innovation and technology and all of that stuff within tech, not Islamic innovation. Just to be clear again, this is a challenge that you have to address by thinking about it as how do I educate my consumer? If you have a brand new product or a brand new service that you're offering to a consumer, you have to educate them on how it works and how it'll benefit your life. If you can't sell them on how it'll benefit them in the real world, not just the fact that, oh, everybody's doing it, they're never going to buy it. If you could present them with real world value, 100% they're going to get on board. If you sell them something that will benefit them, they will purchase it. If you can't explain how it will benefit them, they're never going to purchase it. So there's not really much of a challenge there. Prove it. Put your money where your mouth is. Show them why this works, inshallah. The last one is that, again, Muslim community is huge and it is not really targeted. There's so much opportunity there. And this is a great place for any Muslim to start. Don't get mad if people don't purchase stuff. Don't get mad if they're skeptical about what you do. But know that that is the safest place for you to get real feedback and real support. It's from Muslims. Most Muslims don't want bad for their brothers and sisters in, in Islam. So start there, inshallah. All right. You may, you may be disagreeing with me and thinking that, oh, the Muslims, you know, it ain't that, it ain't that good. You know, you're, you're, selling, you're selling a pipe dream or something that has so many flaws in it. Check this out. Vegans. How has that come about? Was that a large market? Is that a large market? Not really. But somehow it's become such a big thing that stores will actually be, uh, you know, pushing to have at least one product that's vegan friendly. Is the vegan market that big? No. But there are businesses that have specifically started to target the vegan market. Now, what happens when you start off targeting the vegan market, right? Consumers that do not eat outside of the vegan diet. Well, you start working with them and then you learn more about your consumer and find out that perhaps there are people that eat your product because they like it better or it's better for them. It's healthier. And now instead of it just being the vegan market, you now have the health food market. And then you come to find out that you actually make a product that isn't really out there. And so you have people that are just foodies that are just interested in trying new foods that want to taste your food, not because of it being vegan or because it being healthy, but because it tastes good. Do you see where I'm coming from? If you started a business that targeted the Muslim you know, community or the Muslim market, it doesn't mean that it's limited to the Muslim community or the Muslim market. It's just that's where you started. That's what you were targeting initially. If you if you shoot for uh, you know if you shoot for one thing and you end up hitting something else along the way, is that a fault? Is that a problem? No, that's a benefit. Alhamdulillah. And this is something that really exists. But the first place that you should start is a place where you're most likely to uh, achieve success. Depending on your business, it may not be the Muslim community. But for a lot of businesses, it can be the Muslim community. But we kind of write it off like, nah, I'm not really doing business with Muslims. Like, nah, Muslims aren't serious. Muslims make money too. Second one is uh, eco-consciousness, you know, environmentalists, things of that nature. That's become a real market, renewable energy. There's solar powered everything now. 
right? Before, it was a laughing stock. Like, it was a joke. It was for uh, quote-unquote tree huggers or something like that. They didn't really take it seriously. But now, it's become a real market. I've it, It's crazy. I'll see in Canada, you know, you think of Canada, snow, cold, all of that, and house after house after house, there's solar panels on them. It's a growing trend. So it's it's something it's something real. All I'm saying is that 100% you could start a business in a market that there's a whole bunch of competition. But when there's a whole bunch of bunch of competition as the new guy, you stink and you're not as appealing. Whereas in an environment where there's very little competition and you are the new guy, not just a new guy, you're the only new guy, you're the only one offering the service, or one of the few, you have a real competitive edge. You can be the one that, you know, monopolizes, so to speak. You can be the one that starts everything off, and that's dope. So, inshallah, you know, you get the opportunity to do this, but there's a real opportunity for you in the Muslim community. There may be there may be challenges along the way, but that's in every business. There are always challenges along the way. But think about it. It's just a thought. The Muslim community is your warm market. I just want to end on this one, you know, uh, analogy. Muslims they carry a lot of baggage. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of cultural differences. There's a lot of um, political stuff going on. There's a lot that Muslims have gone through historically. So there's a lot of baggage, but making it easier to carry that baggage offers you the opportunity to start a successful business. Anytime that there is some difficulty in which you can provide an ease, there's an opportunity for you to start a business. There are many difficulties in the Muslim community in which you can successfully start a business that provides them with an ease. Inshallah, it's food for thought. A lot of these are just my opinions that I hold, and I'm a nobody. But think about it. The Muslim community, it may be, you know, a hidden treasure trove for you to live and succeed in your halal hustle. Inshallah. For more information about this episode and to get all of the transcripts and uh, all of the re- resources used, you can check out the show notes at thehalalhustle.com. Inshallah, for those of you that are listening on any of uh, the podcasting platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and the like, whatever else we get on, inshallah, you know, please, it'd be much appreciated if you could give us a review. Blessed. Really appreciate it. Um, Jazakallah khair. Thank you. Be sure to follow us on our social media and to like our Facebook page. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter using the handles underscore the halal hustle. And uh, on Facebook, we're called the halal hustle. So, um, yeah, Jazakallah khair. I appreciate it. It's been great. And, uh, we're going to keep it, we're going to keep it up. Inshallah. I'm currently traveling, but inshallah, that's an opportunity to check out a lot of new hustles. So, uh, stay tuned. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.